0: Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Crispy Drawer. This is Season 3, Episode 7. About to shave the 2020 mold from the cheese for 2021. So, it's been rough this year, hasn't it? It's almost over, thankfully. Maybe two more episodes before the new year. And hopefully next year, a way to catch back up and do better quality work. (laughs) But yeah. COVID... It's amazing what the years gone through. We've had the Beirut explosion, of World War III threatened, COVID, murder hornets, just the wildfires in Australia and the west coast of the United States, riots. Like, who would have thought? Like, I, you maybe could have predicted one of these things. Like a pandemic, yeah, maybe, maybe forest fires, yeah. But to get them all in one year, boy, what bad luck we have so let's uh, let's go on to it so the u.s is practically over i mean not the u.s the u.s elections are over joe biden's gonna be president and there's no reason to have any more stupid crap going on about it the electoral college voted it's biden's gonna be the president no surprise there as that's what should be trump's gonna keep fighting for some stupid reason he might get like he might bring up some legitimate issues with the voting system might And I seriously doubt it will be anything near what he thinks it should be to change the election results. No, I don't think so. There might be small voter changes, like small percentages that wouldn't mean that he would even be close to winning. Might be like, you know, a couple of votes here, a couple of votes there. Not enough to change the election. But if if, I think that the uh, U.S. election organizations should be doing just a safety audit of their entire system, just to make sure that 2024 and the midterms in 2022 are as safe as they can be, or both sides. I would say that they should approach this from, we don't want the public to question the integrity of the election. The fact that, what, 77% of Republicans believe that the election was fraudulent? No note in 2016, like, it was 56% of Democrats believe that the election was fraudulent in some way, shape, or form, or was affected by either foreign influence or illegal manipulation, stuff like that. You don't want your electorate doing that, especially like the losing side. Okay, having a bit higher distrust, that's maybe a little reasonable because they're mad that their guys didn't win. But I don't think you want that consistently. Like if the Republicans win the House and even more in the Senate in 2022 and the Democrats get to the point of like, you know, 60 or 70 percent of them believe that the election was fraudulent in that way. Why even have elections? Like, if you can't trust the system, it needs to be completely audited and overhauled and figured out what's going on. And I mean, like, you know, the genie's out of the lamp of how people are acting about this. The only way it's going to go back in is if you can have verifiable trust in it. And I I will admit that there is a problem with the idea of verifiable trust because the party in power is going to be the one who's verifying verifying the trust. And there's, really, you can't have a neutral group do this. Because there is no such thing as a neutral group in this organization. If Dominion voting is, they're going to audit it, people are going to say, well, maybe Dominion's in it for Democrats, or they say, okay, we ha- did have problems for fixing it. Maybe it's like, oh, now they're in for Republicans. It's just, it's going to be very hard to do, but it should be done. And we're just seeing, like, the fringes from both sides get more and more vocal and seem to find more and more rash, like, appear more and more rational as they aren't. They are very much... Um, flash-in-the-pan creatures that just want power for themselves, but they're convincing the normal people, oh, we're, we're for you, we're for you, and that's always a bad thing. Are we going to see these radicalized powers take, take control? I hope not. I also generally don't think so in the long run, but it's anything's freaking possible. And, you know, just the way it's, how it's going, when it's these radical groups, they want to have a conflict. And they want the more centrist people being the foot soldiers for their conflict and being the casualties. It's, it's, it's disgusting in a way. They don't want to be the ones who hurt. They want to make sure that the people they disagree with are the ones who hurt. But they want to make sure the people doing the hurting aren't really them. Or that there's a barrier between them and the conflict themselves. The political elites of both sides that are radicalized. And do we want a civil war? I highly doubt anyone besides from the extreme fringes wants a civil conflict in the United States. It would be terrifying to observe. And hopefully it never happens. I mean, it doesn't happen again. It happened in the 1800s. And that was much, much more uh, complex, of, complex of an issue than what we're dealing with now. But it started with little things. We'll see. But I, I just think that the idea to reconcile and heal all wounds is going to be an extremely hard thing for Biden to do. And if he does any policies, like if he does any gun control rate policies or anything that's very much like a jab in the eye at the Republicans through executive orders, he's not going to help the, the situation. He's just going to prove the fringe Republican, uh, more conservative side, right? Like, look, he won, so now he gets to abuse us. And I... I What you hope for is that the next presidents that come in, the next powers after President Biden, if he proves that he does do that, would be more of a, okay, we need to figure out, like, I don't want to push a radicalized agenda. The country is already at each other's throats. At least it's on social media mostly, and you're not seeing these fights on the streets. But it won't, won't take long until that happens. If we keep radicalizing portions of this country, we need to get them to relax. So let's back off a lot of this crap. But if he does, if he does uh, follow the liberal progressive mindset and goes after firearm-related stuff, goes after uh, increasing the uh, government control of healthcare across the United States, if he does do that, I mean, the genie's already out of the bottle. He's just putting more, he's just, like, you know, maybe not the genie, but, like, the fire's already going, you know, he's throwing more fuel on it instead of water or foam to reduce it. Its intensity. He's only angering the groups that he's just antagonizing the people who want to be antagonized, who want to to have the reaction, who want to get pushed to do what they want to do, who want to say, "See, this guy is exactly who we t- told you he was." Let's resist. And I mean, the, the Democrats played Trump the same way, so it's 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 happened. It sort of started. <laughs> Well, it really started with the Tea Party movement, but those were more civil. Those were much more civil, and they had much less, their goals were much more attainable because they were more, just stop spending money too much. But then they all got co-opted by much more French political ideas. Or went from an idea of government responsibility to, oh, one party actually listens to us. And then, of course, that party took power and did exactly the opposite. Continued to spend like there was no tomorrow. So I, I guess, like, I don't think an American citizens should trust either political party. They're both the same coin. They're both going to do the same damn thing every single time. They're both going to complain when they're not in power. And when they're in power, they're going to do exactly what they complained about when they were out of power. So hopefully the american people just wise of me like no we don't trust you anymore you you've burned us at every opportunity since since the uh, 2000 since 2008 like i mean the evidence that that under a republican congress a democrat president uh, bill clinton was the last time they actually sort of had control over the debt program the debt and deficits for the united states that was a time that was good. I mean, what Bill was doing behind closed doors was just bleh, disgusting. But at least like he sort of put the country on solid ground with adversaries from the other side of the political spectrum coming together and being like, "Yeah, the Cold War is over. We don't really have a common enemy. There's no point in doing wasting all this money. We just want tomorrow to be better." And now it's all, "Oh, they want their tomorrow to be better, but their tomorrow hurts our tomorrow." And it's it's very much they they're trying to make it a zero-sum game, and it shouldn't be. It's just, it's just sad. So, leaving that uh, depressing topic of the United States politics and uh, seeing where it will go. Hopefully, uh, you know, always hope for the best on this case because they are like still technically the shining beacon on the hill that we all wish we could go and see and live in and enjoy the great prosperity that that nation can give. No matter what the political turmoil, unless it's in conflict, it seems to be still a pretty profitable place to go and have a good life. Now we're on to COVID, which has really been the defining event of this this year (laughs) since March. I mean, COVID started in 2019. That's why it's COVID-19. But um, since March, the Western world has been just on pins and needles about it nothing but daily updates of how many people have died, how many people have been infected. Uh, Sometimes we're getting proper numbers about recovery rates. Other times we're getting like ICUs are overrun. Um, There was definitely propaganda from many governments about them stockpiling PPE and not saying that we need to buy masks. And then they mandated masks, but the numbers didn't really go down as effectively as it should have. We're all listening, like I I should say, In Alberta, we have a mask-wide mandate. We had all these things. We have travel restrictions and all this. And yet the numbers seem to just not be fluctuating the way that would make sense with what we're all doing, which means there has to be communities either completely disregarding this information, which is possible, in fact, probably more likely, or that they honestly don't know the vectors of transmission for this virus, and that they are taking shots in the dark like we are, And they are no closer to knowing knowing, um, the proper understanding of how this virus is transmitting, who it's affecting, why it is, um, I think so quickly, Uh, their their gap in testing technology, such as if their test takes 7 to 10 days to complete, a person who might have gotten tested and then been ignorant about like, oh, I might have it, has still had 7, has until they were informed, oh, you have it to just spread it around. And maybe they were, maybe they sat at home when they thought, "Oh, I'll go get the test," but maybe they were on day nine of the so-called fifteen days of like when you're supposed to quarantine or whatever, whatever the quarantine time period, the incubation time period. Maybe they were those people who have symptoms that appear extremely late on, and they were infectious to others way early, and so they go get it right around the end of when they were actually infectious and and their symptoms were, like, super mild at the very end of their infection period. And they're like, okay, I'm positive now, so I quarantine as of taking the test. But what about the time beforehand when they didn't know, and frankly, the government hasn't really been, like, good at the idea of at-home instant testing. Especially since now that there are at-home instant tests that are 95% um, correct when it comes to being asymptomatic, and 94 percent ha- if you don't have it. Yes, there's a six percent chance it can be wrong. It's a 98 percent like it's 98 to 96 percent chance correct if you are symptomatic um, and have it, or if you have symptoms but do not have it. Like it's a very, very accurate test. Uh, 15 to 20 minutes. it's a little thing you buy, 30 dollars uh, Bluetooth into your cell phone. T- test it, find out if you have it or not. But the government seemed to downplay that. I mean, the U.S. only just approved it finally, and yet apparently that test was ready in April and could have been. And the FDA is like, no, nah, we're just going to sit on it. It's like information such as that, giving the individual citizens the access to the test and knowledge would have made like many people take very informed decisions of in what they are doing. Instead, it was go to government testing centers, wait in lines for, uh, for you know, but from short periods of time, if you were lucky, the testing center wasn't heavily hit in a, in a region that had very low um, test rates, not test rates, um, you know, infection rates and people weren't freaked out about it, to all of a sudden now it's like, oh, you're going to a place that you're sitting in line for two hours to get your nasal swab done. And it's like, oh, it could be seven to 10 days before you're informed of your test results. <sighs> That's very inefficient. And yet the governments are patting themselves on the back about that. That, that. No, 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 no. Do not pat yourselves on the back on that. If you are patting yourselves on the back, it should be with a whip with metal talons on it, ripping your skin off. That is a failure. And the fact that they are calling this a public health crisis and the health crisis is, well, we'll get you results when we know it. It should be like, get as many labs on these tests as you can to get them rolling as quickly as possible. If I have a test coming in from Tuesday, I should have the results at the latest Thursday. Two days. And the information should be correctly shared. So, when uh, Alberta, when Dr. Henshaw goes up and has her thing, she should say when the tests are taken. We had tests from seven days ago that we've proven today are having this. It's like, so those people may not even be uh, active cases anymore, but you immediately throw the number up there. It's, you're not properly disclosing a lot of information. You should have very complicated disclosures. But of course, complicated disclosures do not look good on TV. Broad numbers and broad explanations look great and are easy to do. Easy to make talking points about that. So it just it harms the trust. Now, of course, we're seeing in Canada and the U.S. and various places around the world lockdown fatigue. We don't, people don't see an end in sight because the government keeps painting this apocalyptic picture I know a pandemic is definitely scary and dangerous, but people are going to home with being described as non-essential work, having no money, having next to no income, having to take handouts from the government. I mean, at worst, at best, they have charities and families that are totally backing them, but at worst, they're like getting these stupid government programs that are just increasing the debt of the country, and the government seems to be like ambivalent about what those effects will be in the long term it's like oh great more taxes why don't you just let me keep the money i have instead of taxing my bank accounts and taxing me every time i do it how about you do something else you stupid big government so then it's like okay you've shut down my job and the only way for me to get money is begged to, to you to give it to me oh but you tax it as you give it to me as well that's that's great And then when it's big companies that need the help, it's like, oh, well, you got to give a portion of equity to the government. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you access to the control of my company. You already regulate it. Why would I give you even financial? You already have an onerous control over it through regulations that I have to potentially fight with and then find out. Ah, well, the courts just side with you in general. But yeah, think about, like, say, the non-essential business, barbers, hairdressers, spas, um, Bars, uh, people who work at restaurants who are like, you know, their main staff and stuff like that, who aren't their waiting, uh, like their waiting staff. um, You know, places that are seen as non-essential. Think about how those people are feeling. Like, if you can work from home, you are very, very lucky. And if your business is trying to pay, pay you as much as you... Normally we're getting. Frankly, if if I was owning a company, and was working from home, I would see if I could reduce salary payments a bit. It's like I'm no longer needing to pay for, um, like I'm not paying for you to travel into work anymore. I'm not paying for all this stupid um, infrastructure I have to keep. That I'm going to keep that profitability, and because I'm not paying for all these resources you have to use anymore, you should be doing it. Uh, like. Like, reduce your overall payment. Maybe give a stipend to employees about, like, like, there's a way to even it out, but basically they're going to start looking at it. It's like, well, okay, um, and there are things I don't need to pay for anymore, so why should I bother, like, overpaying you for the, like, you know, the motion of coming into work? I'm going to reduce your paycheck because you're not traveling in anymore. It's like, yes, I'm saving money also, but there's, you think there's companies that are totally going to do that? Absolutely they will. They will look at ways at reducing salaries and payments and stuff like that, just saying, like, you're working from home. My infrastructure is reduced dramatically, but the only reason I've paid you a lot is to come in and be accountable. Now that you're working from home, then accountability is slightly going down, so I'm not going to overpay you on that. So then, like you know, of course, people, that they need that money to pay for their housing, pay for their cars, pay for various debt-related issues, pay for Christmas if they can't pay for the debt, then what? The owners of the property, the management companies, they they just like okay, so now we don't have rent being paid for. Go to the bank. The mortgage is if it's a non, if it's a non-commercial, they might be able to get something. If it's commercial, I don't know if it is in Canada. But I know in the U.S. those are all thrown into um, stock option like things, and then you have to go to between fifty and hundred percent of all the. Uh, Holders have to agree to giving you a discount. If not, they just throw it on the end. It's like, oh, great. So I have to make that money up at the end, and interest will increase on that. So great, now I've deferred a payment, but my interest in total has gone up because it's more time taking me to pay. <clears throat> it's just, it's it's not going to be very nice in the long run. Commercial real estate is going to be the hardest hit in the long run. Uh, but uh, it's it's not even worth the time to even deal with this. And and it's just people are going to get more and more and more annoyed the more they get told to lock down, not to do anything. The craziness of this all. And the craziness really is, is that there are solutions coming and there are ways to safely protect the populations that need to be protected that don't need the one-size-fits-all blanket that's being thrown at us. And of course, then we're seeing uh, other cases happening, other events that are just like ter- terrible, um, related to government overzealously controlling this. Such as yesterday in Calgary, there was the video um, of the two police officers detaining a what looks like a 21-year-old guy who is a hockey player <clears throat> for a health violation, which they don't really go into. Besides from saying order of Canada, hopefully there'll be more information about it. I watched the video, and I'm like, so there's stuff here that's missing because the video part, started part of the way through the interaction and I, that would be worth knowing the full thing. But boy, did they get mad and emotional very, very quickly when the guy's like, what what, what the heck, man? What's going on? And I feel bad for the guy because he's outdoor playing hockey and outdoors with UV radiation from the sun is already, and fresh air is already known as the least likely path of transmission but that's that's how the government's viewing this is that you're getting bought people in the government who probably shouldn't have the power they have now given then and they have even more excuses to use it now where these two officers these two female officers and the male officer who seem to be supervising the whole thing were they abusing their power only time will tell like we'll have to know it doesn't look good on the optics and the fact that the calgary police has not actually posted a posted a talk about it um only the news agencies really have, and they've really taken the side of the police. It's like, okay, well, that's not a good sign. There's, there's information here that's been omitted. Like, I, We need to see the full body cam footage if the officers even have them. If they didn't, then it's like, well, great, so it's officers' words against video footage that we have that's partway through the interaction that continues, but we just see it's like guys on skates and they're drawing tasers and pistols. It's like, no, you, you should have immediately walked away. And this is the case where this interaction, I was just staring at it, watching it, and I'm like, this is bad. But there's information here that's missing, so I'm not going to cast judgment immediately. I'm not going to say, oh, these officers should be fired and punished. My thought was, I, I, I want to see more data from this. I don't want to condemn anybody right now. It looks bad. It looks very bad. And then I came to my mind, like, we, they are, those officers are lucky they are in Canada and, they're lucky they're in a country that is peaceful to police. And by that, I mean, like, like, the population is so relaxed and calm. Like, even with something like this, where it could have been an injustice that's going on, the you were like, oh, we'll, 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 we'll yell at you, we'll record you, but we ain't going to arrest you, we ain't going to attack you, there are tons of people around. Those three officers could have easily been overrun by that crowd. And in dangerous countries, that would have not happened. And they would have sent a force of police in there to do that. But it makes you wonder, why do they only detain one person? If all those people were playing hockey, was it to make an example? In which case, that's even worse. Just t- tell them all to leave. D- d- detain. If you're going to do an arrest and say, oh, it's against the public health order, and now there may be information that the guy was playing in the World Juniors in, um, in Red Deer or during this month, which maybe there's a stance of, because he's supposed to be in a social bubble, that might be something else. But it didn't seem like they were talking that way. Maybe they did, but they didn't explain themselves that way. It seemed like it was go, It was 0 to 100 very quickly on the officer's end, and it seemed like the guy was just like, I, I don't understand. What's going on here? And he was, And he obviously wasn't informed, and they obviously weren't in a position to properly inform him of what was going on. So that looks bad. Looks bad. And hopefully we get the truth from this. I mean, will that have to come through a lawsuit? I hope not. I hope the Calgary police just comes out and says, we've we've reviewed the incident and this was wrong. Or here's the full footage from the male officer and from the female officers. Here's the full body cams. Here's the full audio. Here's everything. And here's clarification. And if that turns out that the officers were in the right and that um, this guy was antagonizing them, I don't think so. It didn't look like he was from that. But granted, the two the two to four minutes of footage that we watch is after the interaction has started, so maybe he went from, ah, I'm being, maybe he went from aggressive to, like, oh, they've drawn their guns and tasers. Like, I'm just going to be like, What? I don't think a 21 year old would have that capability would mentally like plan out this like oh I'm going to get them here and then when they're being peaceful I'm going to be a dick and then as soon as they start to get a thing I'm going to act like I'm innocent like I just doubt that was that consciously controlled by the 21 year old if he was 21. But it just it it seems like from watching that video there's a lot of again information that is there I feel there's information missing and if it turns out those officers were completely the wrong then they need to be punished and it just it seemed like the two female officers in particular were the wrong officers to send to the situation now one of them seemed to be sort of calm the other one just went ham on him and like just really seemed to explode in anger and in frustration and when that happens it's like you need to step back and maybe go do a desk job for a few months. But I, I'm saying this as somebody who is completely ignorant of how the police do their, their job and how they are controlled and how they are monitored. So I might be 100% wrong in this. But again, the optics of what has been happened, like, it, you know, he who controls the media controls the mind. and Who got the word out first? The heart Hurt Party was the first one who got the word out. And then the official media had to play defense, which always seems bad when the official media doesn't, like, plays edited versions of the clips and doesn't actually describe truly what happens. So we would have to be very much... um, It would have to be a very big change in what's going on to understand what did happen correctly. So we'll have to see. Anyway, more about the... uh, More about COVID, the fact that we are having the vaccines coming out. We should have two more vaccines, Um, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca's vaccine by the end of January. Meanwhile, we also have the uh, first two vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines. Um, Unfortunately, we need to get two shots from this. Um, Ronald Bailey from Reason, as well as others, uh, other very top end medical doctors are saying, why don't we just get everyone on one dose right away? The fact that we could double the population inoculated seems like it would be a better goal than doing the, like, because it's, like, somewhere between 90 and 92% effective for the single shot. And then the second shot gains you up to, like, 95%. He's like, why don't we just run with the first shot, which is extremely effective. Like, the one shot, the first shot you're getting has a higher chance of side effects than the second shot, but its success rate is dramatically higher than the regular flu shot that you get. That's about 50 to 60% efficient, and you get one jab at that. So like, let's just, do, let's, let's double the amount of people who can get it very quickly. And then we have the information from the U.S. about Pfizer having 6 million more doses sitting around in the warehouse that have no knowledge of where to send. Like, come on, government, if you're, if you're in the United States. Like, seriously, you have states that didn't get anywhere near what they were expecting, and then we find, and Pfizer says, we have tons of this that have been bought and paid for by the feds that have no shipping information for us. So they're just sitting in our warehouse ready to go. That is disgusting. And I don't know if that's the CDC, if that's the FDA, if that's Trump and his administration stepping on it, or if it's bureaucrats just being dumb, if the CDC contacted various states and the States. Uh, disease boards have failed to get back to them properly to discuss this, or if it was, like, it just seems to me that the CDC has proven dur- in the United States specifically during this um, pandemic that They are a very bad organization. They need to be ripped down from the ground up and they just need to be completely rebuilt because they they seem to be full of bureaucrats who just stopped various things for for no reason. Like they stopped the U.S.'s biological lab at Fort Detrick from researching COVID-19 because they didn't have the certification the CDC was giving. You're talking about the military's biological weapons research lab that's meant to protect the American servicemen. And they were very far ahead in their research, as well as some private labs were, of COVID-19 when it was hitting the United States. And they got told cease and desist. It's like, do you know who we are? These are the guys who need to be ahead of everybody else. The American military needs to be able to respond to these threats and need to be, can't be compromised by this virus. So they're getting ahead, and then all of a sudden, he's like, nope, nope, we don't trust We don't want you. You don't have the certification that we have. You know what you know what the CDC sh- should have said in that? Hey, uh Fort Dietrich, you don't have the certification that we want you to have to work on this virus. Um here's what you need to have. We're we'll get it to you right now. And we're going to stamp off on it and certify you. That's what it should have happened. Same with all the private labs that were building tests that the CDC blocked. It should have been, yeah, you, know, you don't have the certification. Here's what you need to get it, and we're fast-tracking you, and heck, we're going to like preliminary stamp that you have it right now. Get us those tests so we can get as many tests out there. Instead of waiting months for the flawed CDC test, that was wrong 50% of the time for the first few months. So we don't know. In the United States, they have 50% of their tests for the first few months were completely wrong, either positive or negative. Isn't that terrifying? Like double the amount of people may have had COVID at that time period, or maybe half? probably more likely double because the test was so was just so flawed and giving such wrong information and that the fact that they could test the single like sample multiple times and the tests were giving different results every single time and they were like oh whatever they weren't really acknowledging that it's just it just seems so 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 bad so bad but vaccines are on the way, and if uh, we follow Ronald Bailey's idea, such as giving people only one shot versus two, could speed up the inoculation rate, get to herd immunity way faster than expected. Um, now, I understand from Pfizer and Moderna why they want two shots, because two shots are definitely much more provable as it. Um, what you do hope is is that... Um, these vaccines will go into co- coverage that is limited from the other. So, if Pfizer can't go to certain places, Moderna can go there. When Johnson Johnson AstraZeneca, they're going to hit places that aren't, that the other vaccines haven't been supplied to. You're hoping that's going to be like a wave of vaccine supplying hitting places, hitting news locations every single time versus like, hey, Pfizer hit New York and did 60% of the job. Now we're going to send 60% of Moderna's vaccine to New York. And it's like, oh, now we have a surplus of vaccines. Now we have to find where to go. them. You really hope that the CDC is going to be smart. But I will say this. The CDC and the states are... The CDC is not a very smart institution based on how it's been handling this this pandemic at all. Canada seems to be behind the curve as well from the federal government standpoint. And I have no doubt that there are going to be fights in the states about who gets what. Even when there's enough supply, it'll be over-ordering in some states and blocking other states from buying it. I like It's going to be every state for themselves, and it's going to be a disgusting event. And I hope that gets published, publicized, because that will be so worthwhile to watch. See how the United States states just backstab each other for vaccines because of political importance, or like, you are a friend of the president and the CDC, therefore you get your vaccines early. Oh, you are um you are a state that voted against Biden, so uh you're gonna be put you down the list. Like if that actually happened, that'll be disgusting. It'd be great to see though. Because it would show how broken American politics are. But yeah, hopefully that we get pretty much over the pandemic in two thousand twenty one by the mid midpoint of the year. Although if you listen to Bill Gates, who he built he built an OS. He's not really a scientist. He has no degrees. He has a lot of understanding. He's researched it. He's also one of the wealthiest people on the planet who can safely live out through this with just stock, just borrowing against the stock he owns and paying it back at ridiculously low interest rates that most regular people can't get. He's like, oh, it might be five years. Shut, shut the businesses down until mid-next year. It's like, so another six months of businesses Like, So you, do, do you just not want... Do you want the government to basically shut out any form of competition... I mean, you have to wonder if there's a slight way of like Jeff Bezos and like Apple and all these big companies that know they can ship their goods to directly to you and they don't need a middleman. You have to wonder if they are thinking about this pandemic as like, geez, we can wipe out a lot of competition. But then you have all this empty commercial real estate. It just causes a bigger problem in the long run. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, on to something, uh, now let's change topics to slightly more positive things. I guess I should say, more happy things, such as video gaming, news, all that stuff that's not crazy. So we, we had earlier, uh, we had midway through March, uh, actually, not March, Duh! brain fart on that one. Um, near the end of November, we had the prequel to Legend of the Breath of the Wild come out as a Hyrule Warriors game. Um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. That was a very fun game, and they changed up some of the uh, Dynasty Warrior-like um, methods of upgrading your character, your skills, to fit in very much with the Hyrule um, Warrior, uh, not Hyrule, but to fit in with the Breath of Wild lore. Very fun game, loved it so far. I uh, haven't played too much of it, because I've also been playing a bunch of other games at the same time. Had a, had a few itches I've needed to scratch. But man, it's maybe go back and play the original to get as far as I can. Um, I mean, the original is great, and that's that was a Wii U game I'm playing on the Switch now in the Definitive Edition, and you can just see how the development interaction with Nintendo for the guys from the Dynasty Warriors, the Koei Tecmo, Tecmo Koei actually, um, how they studied what was actually the right way and how Nintendo directed, the, the Nintendo div, uh, Legend of Zelda unit directed them on what would be a smart way to go. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Um, worth it. Going back, to speaking of other old games, play went back and played Command & Conquer Red Alert 2, which it seems like, okay, whatever, I played Red Alert 2. I've beaten it like three or four times through, since it got released in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001. But um, I installed it on my laptop and on my desktop um, late last year to play it again. And on the laptop and the desktop, it just it, I could get 20 minutes out of it, and then it just cra- kept crashing. And then last week, I started playing it on my laptop and my desktop. I could play like multiple missions at a time, multiple levels at a time, with no crashes. Through no modding or, or um, editing of my own, and no updates from EA, obviously, and no updates. Uh, I mean, unless there were stability updates through Windows 10 that Microsoft put out. I don't know. It just suddenly started working again. And I've had this happen with another game, um, Ever a Battle for Dune, which is another um, another Westwood game, which had a similar thing where, uh, like, I played it back in early era when it had just come out, and it was a great game. And then, like a few, and then like I put it down. And then two years later, I'm like, I'll play it again. And then I just wouldn't play. So I installed it from that computer, and I couldn't reinstall it again because the install function just failed. And then uh, on a Windows 7 machine, I'm like, and then later on on another Windows XP machine, my first true gaming rig I owned. Installed it, played for a little bit, okay, then a few days later, went back, it was suddenly not stable anymore. And then, like, four years later, played again, perfectly fine, was able to get through the Atreides campaign. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. And then, uh, similar thing with it on Windows 7, same thing. It's like, oh, it, it can't work on Windows 7. It worked flawlessly on Windows 7. I don't know how it will work on Windows 10. I've heard uh, mostly it works pretty damn well, so I'll have to go check it out. But again, it's a weird when there's no updates for the game. The community has like has only put out two custom patches for it, and I've used all of them since Windows 7. And sometimes they help, sometimes they don't. Um, I know on Windows 7 it helped it install, but uh, people said it didn't do anything for the stability of the game afterwards uh, for one of them. Uh, for me, it's like I didn't even need it to install and it still ran perfectly fine. So that's weird. But still need to beat it, play the other two campaigns. Uh, there are some decisions that I could go back and change the gameplay and style and figure out who I went through. Because I went after the Talaxu. Um, not the Talaxu. Oh, what's the? Um, House Ordos. Because there's uh, Atreides, Harkonnen, and Ordos, and Ordos is the crazy one, and I went after them in, in my Atreides campaign, because I just, I was just much better at destroying them than the um, Harkonnen, so let's go back and play play it completely again, and Then then uh, me and a buddy played some Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and I haven't played it, the last time I played it was prior to the AI team update, so... I mean, it's nice to get back into it, M- me and him. It like, seems like we have similar game styles where we just like setting up ambushes and running around doing random stuff, and that's always fun. Um, I'm, I've gotten good value out of the game. Have there been flaws to the game? I bet if I played it from launch and saw what it was and versus what I've seen, I bet I could agree. And I, I do understand the complaints about Ubisoft being this open-world king, and it's just like there's so much there to do. There's so much busy work in that game to do. I barely touch the story. I, I mean like it's similar with me with the Far Cry games where I get to a point where I'd rather just sit in a corner, wait for an enemy come by, shoot them up, steal their money and their supplies, and then just go and hide back hunker back down until like that these that uh vehicle despawns or like go run away, so it despawns, run back, start it all over again. That seem that to me is more fun. <laughs> like it, like setting traps and stuff like that is just more fun for me. That's just how I am. <laughs> But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I haven't played through much of the story, so I can't really give it a an edit on that. Gunplay seems fine. Um, not oh, not like happy that a lot of shotguns and machine guns can't have semi can't have um, suppressors on them, much like in real life how a lot actually can. But okay, I understand that. I understand that. I've definitely I feel I've gotten my good value out of that game. Uh, others will definitely disagree and say they didn't have it. And that's completely up to them. I'm just saying, for me, it was fun. It's fun to do every once in a while. And then uh, we got Project Wingman that came out at the start of December, which was an Ace Combat-inspired game. And really, 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 really fun. And it's price is good if you like flight, flighty games that are arcade-based. Man, this one just... It ticks a lot of the boxes really well. Um... The world it's based in is really interesting. Uh, the lore is very well done. Um, it does feel a little bit flat at the very end, but there are definitely... Um, like The guys who made it could make another game or two in that in same world, and it, they'd be great. Um, they've definitely set up for stories going forward and going into the past, which is cool. Could we get a Project Wingman Zero... Could we get, uh, you know, sequels? Hopefully, that would be very nice. Could we get updates that give multiplayer content? Maybe. I mean, their Conquest mode is supposed to be really fun, and I've barely dived into that, and that looks like it could play for a very long time. Um, I really like it. The soundtrack is just amazing. Um, price of the game for what it delivers is well worth it. Um, the fact that it was the second most selling game on Steam for the week it came out was a Very good sign of it, and the fact that it still is very much, uh, extremely loved. Let's just see what its, let's just see what its rating is on Steam right now, because I bet it's still nine out of ten. Uh, twenty five American dollars, so in Canada that's about just over thirty bucks. Uh, twenty eight Canadian, in actually, um, they've done uh, one update. I know they're working on another big one soon. Like very positive score um 94% of people had positive reviews of 2723 reviewers 21 campaign missions um the first re- the first update went again basically um uh what did it do it oh what's my phrasing there were some complaints about uh, certain colors that people weren't happy about such as orange being overwhelming in the later part of the game so one of the updates was to fix that as well as some things that seemed a little bit not um what's the phrase not cheaty but like sort of took the immersion out or seemed a bit weird they did add that back in or changed it so it seemed a little less uh mystery of what's going on but overall i mean i'm just i'm i'm ecstatic with the game too i just loved it Definitely well worth it. Um, it would be amazing if it could come out onto the consoles, just to get an even greater player base. Um, but on PC, as it is, it it runs amazingly well. Um, there is some weird frame things that was happening in my playthroughs on both my PC my laptop, and my desktop, where it'd just be like a, a miss, like a random frame from another scene would pop up for like a court for like you know one frame, and then we go to the next. So like. It wasn't super often. It was like a little hitchy at times. It never really pulled me out. It was annoying when I was first noticing it. I definitely noticed it more on my desktop um, playthrough versus my laptop playthrough. But overall, I I very much like the game. And yeah, hopefully the team makes more games in that universe, or even like just more flight arcade games. They they're just fun to play. There's so few making them right now and I know it's because of like like Ubisoft made the um you know uh Hawks games which Hawks 1 was okay, Hawks 2 was definitely better but then it was like super arcadey to a little overdone <laughs> and they they the stories were sort of eh whatever the fact that like all the Ghost Recon stories and like Foam Clancy stuff seems to somehow all connect together in weird ways, which is whatever. Like, gets so convoluted, it's crazy beyond belief. But then you have, um, and then like, there was like, what else was there? What else has there been? There's been, there's been a few stuff on PC, but not much has made it to console. And like, I guess there's the thing of like people. There's there's people who want to do it with a flight stick, and I understand that. There's people who want to do it with a controller. I understand that. But it seems to be like, besides from Ace Combat, and and uh, you know that's really about it. When, like, there's very few flight games that are arcadey. It's like either go full flight sim with DCS and uh, and Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is fine. Those are valid games for people who enjoy that. But if you just want to log in and have like a quick arcadey run through of like, you know, make you feel like a super fighter pilot, there's not a lot that really does that. I mean, I guess uh, you got the free to play games from uh, you know, War Thunder that has a bit of that, but again, it's it's not the same where it has to be a balanced multiplayer game. It's not the same as playing a single player like, "Oh, I can I can take on an entire army by myself in this F22." So there's there's that. Um there's only things they can do, like there's more studios that can get involved. But I think because it is considered such a niche product, most of the AAA companies are like they can it will be a segment from an actual game, just like how it's like in Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 as a segment, but it wasn't really part of the game in itself. So, yeah, sad things. Hopefully get better. <sighs> well, we're coming close to the end. It's almost Christmas time and New Year's. Government says we shouldn't be gathering for Christmas and, you know, we don't want people snitching on each other because snitches should get stitches and distrust and harassment from that. Those policies could eventually happen. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully you live in a neighborhood where people respect each other and would be much more like if they're not anonymous complaining. Yeah, this brings me up to a. a, I'll I'll extend on anonymous complaining, but... um, Hopefully that people could be respectful and that the cities have a way of detecting if it's a harassment campaign done by somebody versus like it's a legitimate issue. Let's go on to like anonymous reportings that you see of, um, you know, you get people who are supposed post in the U.S. about like this nurse whose family has these very nice um, Christmas lights on. She got a letter in the mail, like, you know, an anonymous letter in the mail, like criticizing her for having these Christmas lights up. And I have to say, like, this is very odd to me that I'm taking this stance, but when I read that letter, my thought was, um, next to immediate, was maybe the family wrote this letter themselves to get publicity. Like, half the time I think that it's, it's written by the people who was offended by it to get on the news. Get Sympathy. And I'll be honest, that's not a, uh, that's not a thought I like having. <laughs> I wish I could trust people more, but that's just the cynicism in it. But let's end that. Um, anyway, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, if next if 2021 looks like shit, maybe have uh, a giant meteor come and take us all out at the end of the year. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny, 2021? Um, we get to right at midnight of this year, and the sky stops, and it opens up, and it's credits, fr- and, like, you know, the... Uh, the end song from *Curb Your Enthusiasm* or something starts playing. It's like, oh my god, was this did 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 the powers that be did did, did God play us here? Is this like a comedy episode for him? That'd be actually really funny. It would explain a lot. Uh, maybe not COVID, but to explain a lot of other craziness that's happened this year. Anyway, yeah, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, and uh, hopefully you stay safe through this, and you do not get the ire of the government on you. This is Jaws, signing out. Bye.